Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined as ever by my friend, partner, and the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, today we're going to talk about something that we get tied up in all the time, right? We get questions about this both personally and for people wanting to understand how to navigate this process of putting together the advisory board or, or having an advisor, particularly around this concept of like the, the superstar advisor. Like, right. How many times a week do you get asked this question, hey, will you be my advisor? And, and what is your response typically? <laughs> I get asked nonstop and not because I'm like particularly great at anything, but because we're in the middle of this giant startup ecosystem. So people hear this podcast, you know, in the same way for you, or they read something, et cetera, and say, hey, I'd love this guy to be my advisor because he has, yep. you know, all this knowledge. And I just say no every time. And it's it's not, you know, a, any disrespect to the people that ask. I'm flattered that people ask. If you ask me, I'm going to say no. I can, I can tell you right now, uh, no matter <laughs> is this what just, Is this entire is. episode just about inbox control, Will? Is that what we're doing yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> but what I tell people, and I think, you know, what, what we're going to talk about today is the whole, will you be my advisor and all the things you think will come with it is a bit of a sham. And it's not a sham because the advisor is a sham. You know, Ryan, Correct. I'd like to believe you and I are stand-up guys and you know, we provide good advice, et cetera. Maybe not, but <laughs> but I believe that the expectations that come with bringing on advisors are way out of whack, way out of whack, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. And so what, what I'd like to talk about today and like we can dig into is what do founders think they're getting into when they sign us as an advisor or anyone? And what's the reality of what they actually get? Because they're not even remotely close. I mean, right. I, if you think about all the people that have kind of come to you, what are some of the things that they expect of you that they're not going to get, no matter how good their ideas or who they are? All right, so before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. I think that's a good way of putting it. I think it's the, I think it's the things that are not going to get that are going to matter more. Two things I want to talk about. Let's talk about those things they're not going to get. And before we dig into all of that, let's talk about what the cost of this is, right? Because sure. there, there is a, there is oftentimes a very significant cost. Um, I've heard some right. outrageous things of late in terms of people trading big chunks of equity or tying people to long-term engagements that just don't really seem to match the value that they're actually going to get. To your point, what they think they're going to get when they, when they put it all, you know, in their heads, um, I think it all makes a ton of sense, right? Like you're going to give away some equity, these great things are going to happen. And we'll dig into what those great things they think are going to happen that aren't. Now, of course, you can get solid advice. You can get perspective. You can get lots of things from a good advisor. This isn't don't take on advisors. This is be really careful about what your expectations are and therefore balance the cost against that, right? So before you go sliding chunks of equity across the table at somebody, let's talk about a few of those things. The top one for me is probably around the introductions, right? I get this all the time. Um, I get this all the time, whether it's whether it includes advisory or not. But oftentimes people think that's the gateway to, to my, my network, right? It's like, oh, if right. I bring him on as an advisor, all of a sudden he'll open up this, this Shangri-La like uh, LinkedIn portal for us and we'll just walk through and talk to everybody we've ever wanted to talk to. Does this happen to you too? Must. It does. It does. And I he, was cheating. I knew that it does. <laughs> Here's where it breaks for me. I've got a huge Rolodex 
And so when people see that, when they hear that, same as you, they think, okay, Will's got 10,000 people in his Rolodex. And I do. I mean, I've just met so yep. many people over, over almost 30 years. And so if you ask me, do I know Ruloff Bota from Sequoia, the managing partner of Sequoia? I do. He's in my network. I technically yep. know him, but not that well, right? Yeah. Take Mark Suster, right? Mark's a great guy. Mark invested $10,000 of his personal money long before he, he ever became a venture partner. And, and that was great. And Mark and I have had some great times together, but I don't actively talk to Mark. I don't have any reason to, right? Right. But here's my point. You think because I've met these people, I've worked with these people, I know these people, that my relationships are fresh, that those people are interested in taking an intro. There's all these assumptions that are made on what's in my Rolodex and, and what the quality of that is, right? And yeah. think about this, Ryan. Even if all of those people are fresh and, and they're in my Rolodex and they're people that I know, what's the guarantee that they want to know you? <laughs> Right. Or, or even hear from us as the primary connection. Right. Like, to your point, I haven't heard from you in 10 years. And then you pop out of the woodwork with a request to introduce you to somebody that you may or may not want to talk to. Right. Super cool. Right. Right. I love it when that happens to me. I love it when somebody I haven't heard from immediately pops out of the ether and it's like, hey, could you do me a favor? Here's somebody I want you to talk to. That'll be a completely lopsided conversation where everything is them asking and you giving. Would you like to right. sign up for that? Right. It's the least popular landing page in the history of history. Nobody puts their information into that. And there's a reason, right, uh, to, to your point, for every one of us, right, that, that's connected into somebody like a Mark Seuss, right, you start to get closer and closer to the top of the, the demand chain where people want your time, right. want to, to speak with you, want something from you. The inbound requests get absolutely insane, right? right. Just take you and I as an example, right? We're not like top of the food chain in terms of introductions, Right. We're easy to find. People can come and talk to us. Right. They use us as a conduit for that. Even being kind of middle of the ladder as we are, right? For for this purpose. Like if you're looking for investor introductions sure. or you know, partner introductions, something like that, even we are already inundated with these requests. So imagine what it looks like when you get to that level, right? So even whether it's coming from you, me, or or somebody off the street, kind of doesn't matter. It's part of a really, really noisy channel. And so therefore, you really have to balance your expectations, right? To the point of this entire episode. Yes, you can want that from an advisor. Yes, they have that network. Do they actually have the ability to put you into a meaningful conversation with that person? Odds are no, right? Maybe, maybe. It does happen, right? Introductions right. do get made. Right. That's why they keep happening, right? And, and they do become fruitful at some point. But you got to multiply the odds here. And the probability of you being the one who gets through, pretty damn low by the time you account for all of the various places this can fall flat. So, don't have this expectation of your advisors, right? If this is the reason you want an advisor, just get LinkedIn Sales Navigator and start working it for yourself, right? It's the same damn thing. Let me put it this way. If what you're trying to do is raise capital and you're looking at me as a conduit to help you raise capital, which by the way, we also run a fundraising platform. <laughs> we run fundable.com, right. help people raise $600 million. Uh, we clearly you know, have that capability at some level, but it doesn't matter. This is where the expectation, how these founders are thinking and doing this kind of calculus in this head, and the reality of what's going to happen with an advisor are so far apart. And you mentioned just yep. a moment ago, the problem with that, the problem with being so far apart from what our expectations are and what an advisor can provide is that what we pay, especially early on when we're really vulnerable, 
to get yeah. that advisor is bananas. Like, you know, you mentioned folks giving out equity early on. Folks are doing rev share deals and they're doing partnership deals. You know, I'm going to give them a, a big piece of my company because they're going to help accelerate this thing. Maybe, right? Maybe. Yeah. But what we'll talk about today is all of the assumptions that we typically make as founders that are patently false. And by the way, if, if they're correct, they're a fraction of as correct as we think they are, right? I mean, that's that's right. the other problem, right? right? None yeah. of it's what we think it is. And so where this frustrates me when we talk to founders is that very often they jump into this so quickly and they say, Ryan and Will, I've listened to their show. It's, it, you know, they've provided so much feedback. I would love to get that feedback, you know, all the time. I would love all the things that they can provide. But here's the thing. If what you're really using us for is to get an introduction to some investors, why not just make it that? Why get married to us just in order to get some intros to a few investors or to go through a capital raising campaign, right? Why not make the engagement purpose-built for that versus this implicit, I want to sign you as an advisor, and I think all of these things are going to come with it. I think specifically for the points that we'll talk about today, we way overshoot the mark. Our expectations are huge, and, and this is the one that kills me the most. When folks ask you, Ryan, to be an advisor, how much are they implying that you're going to do versus explicitly telling you or you telling them that they're yeah. actually going to do. This seems to be a, a recurring theme with us lately and probably just <laughs> it, it exists everywhere within founderdom. This, these one-sided conversations, these right. one-sided handshake deals that nobody else was involved in. We just assumed this would be the case, right? Like, uh, and, and actually, you know, what I don't usually do, and I'm sure you, you do something very similar, it's I don't usually just say no. What I'll usually do is walk people down the path of why what this is going to actually be versus what they think right. is probably incorrect, right? So I'll ask them, like, what are the, what are the big, big things? Like, what's the biggest thing you want to get out of, of having me in this advisor, right? And they may start off with something really nebulous, like, well, we need to, we need to hit our growth metrics. Okay, cool. Let's break that down. Like, what will I help with? Because I don't have a knob that I turn in my office that just makes growth metrics go up, right? So right, right. I got to have something I can point at and attack with you that I feel, you know, very specifically suited for. And so that's where it starts to erode a bit. When you start to talk about what are these actual big objectives that you want, to your point, bring us on as an advisor and then tell us you want an investor introduction, right? Would be good to know that before because the chances right. are we can just make those introductions, right? Or not. If, if we feel like they're viable or not, right? And here's the thing, whether we're an advisor or not, won't impact that decision. That decision right. is based on the calculus of us going, when was the last time I talked to this person? Was it too soon? Was it too long ago? Are they going to pick up the phone? Are they going to answer social you? Capital. Will this be a good conversation for them? Do they care? Right? Because I'm burning social capital and I'm, I'm wasting their time and your time and my time if right. I don't think that this is going to work out. So this is, the, this is the thing that we run through really fast, right? So this is where it has to start. Right? It has to start with what are you actually trying to get done and then stating it aloud to the advisor so they know and they can say yes or no based on some objective data about whether they feel like they can help you with that or not. This is where it's always broken down for me. Um, I've made this mistake a couple of times on the advisor side where I've said yes, thinking cool company, really like these guys, want to help them, right? All the right reasons. And then we dug into what they actually needed help with. It wasn't anything to do with my core skill set or things I could actually thumb the scale and make happen, right? There was a probability that I could tap into the things that they needed, but it was a long shot. Right? right. And, and they, they gave up real equity in the end. They didn't, we just, we just null, nullified the agreement, but 
that was what was on the table, right? They made a permanent decision around giving away future value in their company for a maybe on me helping them to increase the value of their company, which by the way, they didn't share with me (laughs) in terms of how it was going to happen. I think one of the places that founders really get thrown off and I don't think they realize they're doing it is to your point, their intentions aren't well stated. They're not clear. Yep. I think the other part of it is they actually just want you to say yes, right? They just want the validation of There's you that. saying yes, yep. with the implication that you're good enough, you know, that the idea is good enough and that, you know, if I say yes and I want to be your advisor, that I'm validating your path. And by the way, I get it, right? I mean, yep. who doesn't want more validation through this process? But that's an expensive way to get it. You can get sure the is. same validation by just saying, will you help me? And not, and not yep. every request for help has to be paid, to your point, with lifetime equity. I would argue that most of them should not, right? That should be lifetime help, right? Of ongoing value. Right. Um, It's just rarely the case. And I think what happens is, as as founders, we tend to think that we need to have this shotgun wedding immediately, and we have to get, you know, everything papered up, and it has to become official before we've really dated at all, right? Right. 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 Let's see if they can actually provide any of the value, right? Or if they're just the man standing behind the curtains making the Wizard of Oz talk, right? Like that happens. Here's a a really popular one I see. And this is this is where advisors, I believe, kind of take advantage of founders a little bit. And I don't know if they're always doing it in a malicious way, but it happens. It looks something like this. I've been in your industry. I have a deep Rolodex of contacts who are all your customers, right? And I want to be able to provide introductions to those customers, but hey, that's value. If, if all those introductions, you know, turn yeah. into a huge company, you know, a startup company from those, I want to make sure I didn't just give those up for nothing. And to be fair, that's a fair ask, yeah. right? That's not unreasonable. Yeah. But that's not the problem. The problem is, what if they don't work? What if you make the introductions right. and nothing comes of it? Well, I'm that person. I'm saying, well, all I can do is make the introductions. I can't, you know, it's up to you to sell it. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. And, and yep. again, everybody's right. And everybody's yep. on, the, on the, the right page. However, if I make all those introductions and nothing comes of it, why do I still have a quarter point of equity? (laughs) Right. Like at that point, there wasn't the value that we were all expecting. Right. Yeah. You just entered into performance-based marketing and there was no performance, but you still paid for it. Right. 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 You wouldn't do that anywhere else. Right. So yeah, you've got to really be clear on these expectations, right? Given these inputs, here's what we need to have happen. And given that, here's what it would be worth to us. And everybody forgets that. I think to your point, and it was a really, really good one, um, and one we could have easily glossed over, is how much of this is actually about the validation, right? Because that, to me, can just absolutely obscure the rest of these details, right? If the person said, yes, that's all we care about. They said, yes, they said, yes, cool. Do you actually want to hang out with them? Well, I don't know. (laughs) But they said, yes, right? It was like you get your first friend in a new in a new school in, in right, middle school, right. right? Like you don't really care who they are, how they dress, whatever. It's just like if somebody said yes. Somebody sat That's at my lunch analogy. table. It feels great. Yeah. And so I feel like we got to be super, super careful about this because that is great, right? And the validation feels good. But it will not feel good if that person owns a quarter point, half point, full point, whatever you've given up in a couple of years. And it turns out their input to the company was that one moment of validation. Right. That's all they gave you, right? Now, who knows? Maybe if we had a crystal ball, we'd go back in time and say, gosh, Ryan would have quit if he hadn't gotten that little bit of validation up front from Mark Suster. You know, by the way, I just want to mention, if 
what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often, you actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. I think the other side of it is, and let's, let's come, come back to this because we glossed over it. I want to make sure uh, we dig into it a little bit. Is that, yes, I can make the intros, but do the intros care about yeah. you? Okay, and so, so, so here's the assumption. And, I, I, and, and what I'm going to say is we tend to make this bet at often the worst possible time. For example, it's year yes. one of our startup and we're just putting everything together and we're yep. dying for this validation. So that's, that's its own thing. But at the same time, yeah. we're thinking in our minds, if this person, if this advisor could make these key intros, that will be game-changing for us. Our product is going to take off. Yes. But we're missing a few components. Our product is probably one, two, three, five years away from being valuable to who we're trying to sell it to. Yep. Right? We have an MVP that we just finished six months ago, and we want to bring it into a, a Fortune 500 company because this person knows the CTO. That's a terrible time to spend that social capital on behalf of the advisor. It's a terrible time for us to burn that advisor's, uh, you know, the, the, the equity we're using for that advisor because we're not ready. And so right. we have to think about when we're trying to engage these folks, is this the right time for them? And is it the right time for us to pull that trigger? You know, maybe the right time to, to right. be able to, to pull that trigger with those CTOs is two years from now. Just because we want it now right. doesn't make it the best time, but we're going to pay for it all the same. The, the, the cost is the same. The outcome yeah. is very, very different. Very different. Um, you're also likely to pay more for it at that stage Absolutely. because you're super early, your value's lower, right? So you're giving up equity at a point where it's worth far less. Therefore, you're going to have to use more Absolutely. of it to get what you think you want. And so I think that, you know, being patient in these cases at least buys down your cost and like you said, we'll increase the likelihood of that advice and that network and whatever else you think they're bringing to the table being leveraged against something of value, right? If your product's super early stage, you don't want their entire network no. to know about it, right? Everybody thinks their problem is always exposing the entire world to their idea. Yes, but probably not for the reasons you think, right? It may not be ready for the entire world to see. Luckily, nobody's figured that out <laughs> in marketing yet. It's not possible. You can't show the entire world at once. So well, that's the let me news. build on that. Because we're talking about timing. Like, when is the right time to kind of you yeah. know, take advantage of those assets? The other thing is, people often come to me, and, and they just started something. They're six months in, they're a year in. Again, they're very vulnerable. We'll keep coming back yep. to that. And they say, Will and Ryan, I've listened to the show. They have all these you know, insights to all these aspects of the business that I don't know about. They are super valuable. And maybe we are, but I'm not going to give us that much credit for a minute for the purpose of, of, of this explanation. We're only valuable yes. because right at this very minute, you don't know shit, right? And so everything we talk about sounds like gold. By the way, you're going to figure out most of this stuff on your own anyway. We just happen to know a bunch of stuff yep. that you don't know. I had this great kind of adage given to me a long time ago. And it said that if you were sitting across from Albert Einstein and he was explaining to you the theory of relativity and halfway through the explanation, a lightning bolt hit him and he actually became twice as smart, you still would have no idea what he's talking about, which implies that when people know more than you do, they just seem like geniuses. You yep. don't know how much of a genius they are, right? Because they're talking about shit right. you don't know right. about. 
we end up getting really enamored by talking to advisors who know all of this stuff. But the problem is, especially early on, we don't have the capability to know who's full of shit, who knows what they're talking about, who has more than a rudimentary explanation of what we're, we're talking about. When my father-in-law, who's in his 60s, asks me about cryptocurrency, which I don't know anything about, by the way, yep. I can explain to him the yep. basics of what blockchain is and what crypto is. That's it. As far as he's concerned, yep. and therefore you're yeah, the I'm expert. an expert, right? I'm a, I'm a crypto <laughs> genius, yeah. right? Because he doesn't know any yep. better. Yep. Ryan, that's where people get hung up. Early on, everyone's a genius advisor. What we need to do is just hang back sure. a minute, right? And say, okay, right. I appreciate the early advice. Let me roll through this a little bit. Let, you know, let me get you know, my skis under me. And then let me figure out yep. whether or not you're the expert worth giving a whole bunch of equity to. That's right. You know, at the early stages, you essentially, an advisor is just somebody who's walking around flicking on right. light switches for you, right? And, and that's about as much effort as it takes. You're just illuminating things that they didn't know existed or they didn't have the right answer to. My favorite place to see founders get this from is other founders at a very similar stage, sure. right? Well, we see this all the time in our founder groups where you've got somebody who's already heard that piece of advice and so therefore they yep. can share it, right? It's not something that was highly tailored to the solution. It's not something that was, you know, really, really, really contextually specific yep. to that startup company. It just happens to be a good piece of general advice you probably hadn't heard yet, right? Like the first time you encountered long division, <laughs> wow, it's magic until you know what it is. And then it's like, well, okay, right, it's right, a right. part of mathematics. That's what this is like, right? Once you have some of these facts, and of course, some of it does need to be contextualized to your business. That is right. your job, right? You should and will always know your business better than anybody who spends an hour or two in it per month or per quarter or whatever this right. cadence is. And therefore, we can't put too much pressure on the advisors because we're just letting ourselves down at that point, right? To your point we've got to know that there's just a delta between knowledge. There's a knowledge gap and the value of that knowledge gap is very short lived. And again, I'm going to say far better to get this from other founders who have just heard this advice and applied it to their own businesses who are at a very similar stage to you. So go to your network of founder friends. If you don't have one, build one, borrow one, join us with founder groups and come in and we'll participate <laughs> and get some of this value from there. Yeah. They'll just tell you, right. They're not gonna be like, well, let's see. I do have an answer for you, Ryan. Um, it's going to cost you right. a quarter point, and then I will tell you, right? No, they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, I heard it's this, right? Or somebody told me a few weeks ago it was this, right? And they'll be like, oh, were they your advisor? Right. Nah, they were just helpful. There's a cool. lot of sources of truth. And to be fair, I'll give you another example. Years ago, when I really wanted to become a carpenter, I had this guy at my house, and he was, he was building out my daughter's closet, and it was amazing. Like, it was just amazing trim work. And I was so enthralled yeah. by this. This was at the beginning of my whole journey. And so I started asking him all these questions. Yep. I was annoying as can be. And I started saying, I was like, how do you get this so perfect? Because he was doing trim carpentry. And he said, well, and I'll never forget. Right. He goes, I cut it and I put it up there. And if it doesn't work, I cut it again. I was like, and then? <laughs> He's like, no, that's it. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay, right now at this very moment, you're the best trim carpenter in the world. Like you are the oracle of advice. And that is the only way yep. trim carpentry can be done. And then I did this bizarre thing. Yep. I Googled it <laughs> on YouTube. And it turns out a lot of people have this advice. And it's much, much better. Same advice. <laughs> They're like, here's a hundred yep. other ways that you can do this much, much better in a repeatable way. And you shouldn't listen to him. Which brings me to my next point. 
The problem with hearing advice from someone on a topic you've never understood before is you can't qualify it, right? You're in no position right. to know if it's actually good advice. Give another example. That's it. It may, it may, Listen, may ring out like good advice. It followed, it, it may actually be terrible. If you're about to start an ad agency, right? I've been through it. I started a huge one, right? Wonderful. Yay me. But yep. if you were to dig in a little bit and say, hey, Will, when's the last time you ran an ad agency? When's the last time you were responsible for the PL of yeah. that agency? That was 2001, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, Will, they're printing yeah, ads no, in color hell, we're, yeah, yeah, we're still running print ads, and I'm sure people it's, still do, but yeah. not, the, not yep. the same way. The internet was a new thing, right? <laughs> when, when The last time right. I was in it. And so the assumption is that this person is from my industry, and thereby all of their knowledge is still relevant. It often isn't. Yeah. It, it often is not only not relevant, Correct. but the way they got there in the industry doesn't work anymore, right? And so you right. don't have the option yep. of just saying, Yoda, tell me all, you know, the, all your ways of the force in my industry because it doesn't apply anymore. And I think people get, get right. hung up on the fact that they assume that this person was a guru in my industry or a guru you know, in this one area, and therefore they must still be relevant. And I think it's a big miss. If you want some proof on this, um, just Google 1940s basketball and find out who the best player was and then try to find some archival footage of him playing basketball and see if you'd want that guy to advise right, you right. on his jump shot. Different Probably. world. You know, right. I also think that people assume that we've got this endless geyser of mind-blowing advice, right? Like, we can <laughs> talk forever. That part is true. We can talk endlessly we can you never do this. shut up we've proven will over 107 episodes that we can just yeah. keep on talking right, right. almost endlessly yeah but it's true but ryan we might be wrong heaven forbid right i mean we're not obviously but we we might be i'm gonna make sure that gets deleted <laughs> from the podcast there's no way we've ever but been they wrong should be with qualified said on this. maybe worth a google right yeah and, and <laughs> right <laughs> and and look i think that what happens is I think we get, kind of get hoodwinked, mainly because I just want to use the word hoodwinked. Like, I, I think what happens is someone yeah. comes in, <laughs> they give us two, three pieces of mind-blowing advice, and our assumption becomes, damn, yep. that must be flowing forever, right? And if, if Ryan and Will right. said that, there must be so many other goodies that they have behind that. Maybe not. Maybe that is our shtick. Maybe that's our thing. We have three things we learned. Yep. And the moment we hand over equity to get the rest of them, <laughs> <laughs> we find that there's no more gas in the tank. You know what I mean? Yep. Or that it no longer applies or that, you know, it's, it's not relevant or it's not relevant to our situation. I mean, imagine, imagine this scenario. U.S. Department of Defense hires David Copperfield as new super weapon, right? We saw him make a quarter disappear. We saw him pull a rabbit out of a hat and then he made the entire Statue of Liberty disappear. So we're going to use him now to disappear all of our I like where this globally. is going. This it's is going to be plot. amazing, right? <laughs> not all tight. Sounds great, right? It sounds like a great idea. Um, here's the thing. It's not going right. to work, right? Those are illusions, right? Now, not that an advisor would intentionally, you know, serve you up an illusion to fool you into taking them as an advisor, but you create these illusions right. in your own head, right? Going back to the advice, the introductions, whatever it is that you've created in your mind that you think they can do, they may or may not be capable of, right? And so we have to be careful how far we extend these tricks that are played on us. You know, whether we're doing it to ourselves or, you know, they're giving us a piece of advice and we're saying, wow, if they knew that, they must know 
everything else, right? And there's just this like endless compendium of knowledge that exists in this person's head that they can, they can sprinkle on us as needed. Not true, right? right? It just it doesn't exist, right? They're never going to be as tied into your business as you are. They're probably not following the same path anymore. I'm, when I am giving people advice, which I try to do as rarely as possible, I try to give people perspective, not advice. It's almost always at this point caveated by the last time I did this or, you know, when I was still relevant to that industry or when I was still doing this, here's what it looked like, right? That, that's the preface for nearly everything I say because I'm no 100%. longer doing the same kinds of things that they're doing on a daily basis. Our business is very different scale, size, scope, all of that has changed. And they're back in tiny startup land where they're trying to, you know, make those first few steps. What I get to do on the marketing front is very right. different than what they get to do from a resource standpoint, budget standpoint, right. knowledge standpoint, all of that, right? It's not the same thing. And so they can't look at me and go, well, I like what you're doing. I want those results. I want to do that too. Well, yeah, that's great. Is just having the advice, even assuming the advice is good, is that all you need? Of course not, right? Okay, well, here's all you have to do. Here's your million dollar annual budget layout. And they're like, okay, right. well, what can right. we do with right. 1500? Well, I think the other side is, if you're going to give good advice, a, a great advisor, the way they give good advice is it looks like this. I'm not sure if this is the answer, but I'm sure this is the question. Yep. Here are the questions you should be asking, right? I don't know what your CAC is going to be, right? I don't know exactly when your MVP is going to become profitable, but I can tell you what questions you should be asking, yep. right? You should be looking specifically at this part of your landing page and saying, what is the conversion rate? Right. And when it hits somewhere in this area, that's when you should probably move forward with more budget, yep. right? There are certain things that you can do as an advisor to point people on the right path. What you can't do as an advisor, and I see a lot, and I think this is where people get, again, diluted, is to say, I have all the answers. This is how everything will play out. Yep. Dude, it's how it played out for you, <laughs> right? Right. It doesn't mean it's going to play out for anyone else. If there was right? a playbook to this, it wouldn't be a startup anymore, right? It would be a small, medium yeah, yeah, business, exactly, right? right? It's not the same thing. Exactly. And so the other side of this is when folks say, I want this person to come on board because I think that they're going to instill all this credibility. They've got great advice, but they're also well-known in the market, yep. right? They've got this incredible brand. And when I say this person's attached to the project, Hollywood style, everyone's going to just going to like, you know, jump out of their seats and want to give me money. Yep. Not true. And I think we should break this down a little bit because I think this is such a broken assumption and it comes from a place where I don't know that I've ever seen an advisor who got brought on for that reason ever actually say that that's going to happen, right? Yeah. Like I've met a lot of really well-known advisors. Yep. They get onto these boards or you know, they get onto an investment, whatever it is. And if anyone were to say, hey, is your name going to help us raise funding or is your name going to help us sell product or is your name going to help us get PR? They'd be like, probably not, right? right? It, it, it won't hurt, <laughs> but it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. But that's the only reason we brought you on, sir, ma'am, right? Exactly. Like, well, the, uh, should, we should have talked about that first, right? Going back to these one-sided discussions, they're super dangerous, guys, regardless of whether it's an employee issue, an investor issue, an advisor issue, partner issue, whatever. Uh, you cannot have these one-sided discussions where you're making up the other party's response and then using that as a vector for your future, right? It's not good for you. Don't do it. Also, if you're thinking, hey, if this person's an advisor or I'm trying to leverage their name in order to raise capital, I'm saying this because it's such a popular yep, one. Yeah, it is. Right? If I had on my advisor slide, if I have these four people attached to it, people right. are going to think that I'm legit. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. There's no downside to it, right? But to be honest, everyone has that slide at this point. 
everyone has a slide of people who are loosely connected to the business in some way, who you somehow wrangled to say that you're an advisor. And good for you, yeah. by the way, again, no downside. But it's not the, holy shit, Tim Ferriss is associated with your deal? You know, shut up and take my money. That's, that's not what happens, right? right. There are some one-offs where maybe if that person is a lead investor or maybe if that yeah. person has done some extraordinary act to kind of help drive the business forward, maybe. maybe. And even then, it's a hard maybe. Beyond that, the assumption that we're going to be able to, to draft off their credibility, a great example is uh, this person's going to tweet about us. And once they start tweeting about us, the internet's going to go nuts. Right. Not really true. Right. Here's why. They'll tweet once maybe twice, how many times are they going to possibly tweet about us? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Until they're going to lose their own audience. Not only are they our advisors, they are our obsessors, right? They just, they can't get enough right. of us, right? They have nothing but free time to give willingly. And who do they give it willing to? Just us, just us, right? Totally. It's going to be them and us all the time or about a half an hour a month, uh, depending on whether you want to be on the, the realistic side or the unrealistic side of this coin. Right. Yeah, so a couple things. Well, I want to circle back on one. There's no downside to this. I'm going to caveat that gently, right? There's okay. no downside to having them in the, the presentation. There's no downside to bringing these folks on as long as you're not predicating your entire strategy on this. I think that sure. one of the things that we see happen is that people get overconfident because so-and-so validated us. Therefore, everyone else will validate us. Right. You know, not necessarily true. Here's, here's what ends up happening. They'll validate it for what it's actually worth. Here's the thing. As a startup founder, bringing on an advisor for the first time, you just don't know what that actually represents. That's why we're talking about it today. Sure. Investors, everyone else looking at that situation probably knows the reality of the situation, right? You bring on superstar advisor, they know exactly how much time, input, and effort that person is going to put into your company and what impact they will have. So yes, they will use that as validation. They will also apply that rubric to it and say, yeah, they're going to give you like 0.5% of their time for 0.5% of your company, right? So right, you've, right, you've right. given up a fair chunk of, of equity forever for a little bit of their time right now. And so I think that there can be a cost and a downside to that. And I, I think that that just goes back to having that knowledge and understanding, right? It goes back to this, the point that you made around advice. When you don't know, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way. It makes somebody seem right. like a super genius, right? right? Investors are all on the other side of that coin where they're going, well, but we know what they're actually going to do for you, right? They're not right. going to step in at, you know, and be like, hey, look, you seem to be having trouble with this investor pitch. Let me fly in and handle it for you, right? <laughs> not going to happen, right? They're not going to jump up on a stage at CES and pitch your product. Doesn't right. happen, right? Yes, it gives a little bit of credibility. It's a nice little sticker. Think about it like having one of the brand stamps, you know, on your landing page. Right. That's about how much value it has. That people look at it and go, oh, somebody else validated this. Cool. Yep. I know them. For a and second. they like these guys, right? They were on right. CNN, right? right? That doesn't mean CNN's in love with you. It means they ran one damn article about you, right? right. Same thing for your advisors. That's about how much time you get out of them. It's an article right. worth, right? And not an entire history of your company. So yes, you're right. It's not a bad thing to have them in there. It should only be positive depending on how you as the founder perceive it. If this becomes like the cornerstone of your entire philosophy on how you're going to pitch the company, this probably ends poorly unless you're literally starting a company called Ashton Kutcher and he's <laughs> your superstar advisor, right? Then that probably works out pretty well. It definitely well, won't work without also, him. He's the product. if their promotion of you or their help goes even a yeah. little bit sideways, that's probably <laughs> the last time you're going to hear from them. If they make when four that ever happened, to, Will? to people in their Rolodex and all four people said not interested, yep. do you really think they're going to dig deeper in their Rolodex and keep going? 
right? This goes back to, you know, did you time it right? Right. If they tweet about it and a bunch of people, you know, tweet back saying this product sucks, do you honestly think they're going to tweet again? (laughs) Right? Like the amount of ammunition we have with these advisors is incredibly limited, right? But it's basically a fair weather situation. Now, in our minds, that's not the case. Well, no, they own part right. of the company. That, you know, they're going to dig in. No, they're not. Because they no. own such a tiny fraction, they don't give a shit. They care more about whether or not they're going to burn their Rolodex, burn their relationships, burn their following, yep. you know, you name it, yep. right? That tiny fraction that we gave them, they can forget about in two seconds. So l- yep. let's also not overlook the fact that they're not that bought in. Maybe they gave us a, a tiny token check of ten or $25,000. They're not that bought in. If our company crumbles and it doesn't make a lick of difference to them, they're not that bought in. Right. right. And I exactly. think, you know, we have to consider that commitment when we're thinking about, you know, how valuable is that advisor relationship? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't be more correct on that front. That equity just doesn't, re- it represents a ton to us, right? So I want to be careful here. We're not minimizing that equity contribution. Sure. That's a hundred percent of the future value of your company, right? Well, you said that right. a couple months ago on the podcast You'll and I, I've been repeating life. that isn't. And yeah, you do. You, that will be forever. Right? That's forever money. For them, it just doesn't represent that much of the time that they gave it away. Because again, they're on the other side of this equation. They right. know what their inputs are going to be. Right. Right. And they're, to your point, they're not going to give up 100% of their reputation, or even 25% of the reputation, 10% of the reputation for 0.25% of your company. Right, right, right. Why would they, right? That's the reason you wanted them in the first place. That's why they were valuable to you. And now you're saying, yes, please put all of that at risk for a tiny sliver of my company that at this point isn't worth the paper our agreement was written on, right? So who's going to do that? Would you want that person as your advisor if they did? Would be my question. No, right. Well, look, I honestly believe that like having advisors is a great thing. I'm sure you would agree with the same. I don't think the problem is is with advisors. This isn't an anti-advisor episode. This is an anti-terrible expectations episode. This is saying (laughs) that maybe what you just need is advice. Maybe what you need is an intro, right? Maybe what you need is just a little bit of a promo to help you with what you're trying to do. Maybe you just need a transaction. What happens is, and and what we're trying to to really, really kind of lay on here, is it doesn't mean you need to get married to every person that says they'll help you. The validation is great but you don't need to give up equity to get it, right? We can get validation in so many ways. We can get help in so many ways. What we need to do is stand back, list exactly what we're trying to get done. More importantly, make sure the person on the other end of this conversation has heard it and agrees (laughs) and is committed to (laughs) doing that. And what we need to do is say, look, if someone agrees to all these things, if they perform all these duties, then let's consider maybe bringing them on as a permanent member but until they do, and until we've really gone through this whole process, let's just hang back. All right, so that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations. 